and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, joining you here from my roommate's bedroom uh, with Christina Warren, a senior tech correspondent at Mashable, and Nicole Lazaro, founder of Zio Design. Hi. Welcome, Nicole. Brianna Replacement. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yay. So Brianna is has apparently like the disease from hell and her throat is closed up and she can no longer speak. She has been silenced by biology and it is very unfortunate. She'll hopefully be back with us for next week's episode. She's been sick like the whole week and it sucks. But we are so happy to be joined by Nicole. Welcome. Thank do you want you. to Very tell fun. us a little bit about what you do? Well, I'm a game developer, and I measure emotion on people's faces while they play games. Mm -hmm. So I put what we call the four keys to fun into everything that we do. I, and back in the day, I actually designed the very first iPhone game uh, with, uh, with Joe Hewitt back at iPhone Dev Camp. You and are responsible. Oh, yeah. Your fault. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty crazy because it was just like just in a little Safari browser, and then uh, we're working right now. I'm doing a, a uh, I'm coding a VR game, a virtual reality game called Follow the White Rabbit. It's a game mm -hmm. about magic, which we're super excited about. That is awesome. Is it going to be for Oculus Rift? Uh, yeah, we're gonna. Uh, we've got it running on uh, Gear VR right now, and uh -huh. then we're gonna be you know rolling it out to all the different platforms. Still in development yet, but happy to talk about some of the fun that we're having with with that because virtual I reality is really cool. Yeah, I would love that. I, does that tie into your work with measuring emotion on people's faces? Absolutely. Like, is that going to feed into the gameplay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, games, uh, really, I believe that games creates really strong emotions. And mm -hmm. working with VR for the past year and a half, we really see that VR, in VR, they're more personal and deeper than, you know, any other platform. Mm -hmm. And the uh, emotions really drive, you know, drive engagement. They're really what, what's responsible for something to be being sticky. You know, why we love, you know, our iPhone or uh, why we uh, engage with, you know, a certain product over a different one. It's because it creates strong emotions inside us. Mm -hmm. And so virtual reality is the first platform really that I found that actually delivers the experiences I had as a kid. And uh, so I'm really interested in taking those kid-like sense of wonder and curiosity and pouring that into, into our game, you know, Follow the White Rabbit. Gosh, that is a really good point. When I think back on the things I used to do as a kid and just how easy it was to get lost in the most simple actions, I think you're, you're totally right on, obviously, because you're the expert, mm -hmm. on that, on VR being a place where we could, where it's so unfamiliar that we could fall back into those patterns of exploration and just kind of let ourselves go. I think that's really what VR is all about right now, especially the first, you know, this new generation of VR. Uh, a lot of people are going and trying to do the, um, you know, kind of fast action games. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is that when you slip on one of these magic set of goggles, you just like, you know, you just want to sit and look around. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> Wow, this is so cool. And so that's why we, you know, we're building our mechanic all around. Um, it's a mystery adventure. So it's all about looking. It's all about, you know, unpiecing, putting together clues, you know, doing, a, you know, uncovering a story, figuring out, you know, what happened to this, oh. this particular rabbit. You're speaking um. my language. Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want to, do you want to know a little bit about yes, the story? Awesome. Absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, it's a, in Follow the White Rabbit, it's really a game about a magician who's been a charlatan like all his life until one day, you know, his magic actually works. Abracadabra, the rabbit disappears, as in really disappears. Uh -huh. And then unfortunately for our poor magician is that this rabbit uh, was also wearing a priceless diamond bracelet picked from the audience. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so now you and everyone else wants to follow the white rabbit. So it's this really cool um, uh, look around kind of, it's hard to describe on, you know, uh, just, on, just on a podcast, but basically mm -hmm. you are in, you basically, we take you, the game takes you back to uh, 1889. Uh, we start in Paris in this cafe and mm. out through the sunlit window, you see across the espionade, you see uh, the Eiffel Tower under construction. Oh my it's, gosh. The, it's the age of wonder. So there's wonderful kind of, you know, gadgets and mechanical steampunk sort of, you know, yeah. influences. And uh, it's all about the, uh, about this, about this world that is, you know, kind of coming, you know, coming into, um, uh, coming to understanding of, uh, of, of, ma of magic. 
and uh, you know, in the world, you know, there's everything. This this magician has discovered, you know, this this source of magic, and then the whole story unfolds uh, with, of course, the rabbit. And we globe trot uh, around the world to different different locations. Uh, it, in the sense, that very much like a Matrix style kind of feeling, and then also, you know, a little bit of Alice in Wonderland. And you know, I mentioned earlier about emotion, and what was really cool about the the game, uh, or big part of the inspiration behind the game, is that I you know I grew up in Wonderland. You know, I grew up overseas, uh, outside the U.S., the United States, uh-huh. uh, in in the Middle East. I grew up riding camels and climbing pyramids, and uh, you know, exploring fire temples. Wow! And you know, I want to go back. I want to go back to those places in you know in my childhood. And so this game, that's what this game is allowing us to do. Is we're going, you know, around the world, following the right, the white rabbit, to all these different, uh, different places that have a lot of, you know, magic and mystery to them, and we'll, you know, unlock lots of secrets and, you know, tell a, tell a really good story along the way. I love that it starts with the building of the Eiffel Tower. I have such a huge soft spot for that, that particular time period, and for that World's Fair in particular. I had a chance to go to this amazing exhibit at Le Petit Palais last time I was in Paris, and it was just all about the the construction that happened during the World Fair and this incredible optimism that existed in Europe at that time, which, you know, w- was there was an undercurrent, of course, of horrible racism and colonialism. But the people themselves were so optimistic that they were the world was coming together. And for the first time, all these countries could e- so easily connect with each other and visit each other and share each other's cultures. And then, of course, to think that so, so soon after that, World War One happened is just... It was it was really a really intense experience. So mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's the setting. Yeah, it's we're having a lot of fun with that. A lot of fun with the mechanical devices. Uh, and when I say I and we, I also mean the player because the player is going to get to you know take part in all of this because that's what virtual reality mm-hmm. is. It's yeah. not it's not about technology. It's not about frame rate, judder, you know, headsets, you know, lots of different you know lots of different. Uh, devices out there. It's really yeah. about the experience of being there. It's about three things: the experience of being in a new location, being able to take actions and work. You know that that environment like you could in real life, mm-hmm. um, and then you know be able to um, uh, you know and then be able to to change that. You know and tell a, you know tell a good story. It's it's got a really interesting um, what we call an emotion profile. Uh, it's all about curiosity and wonder. Are some really strong uh, emotions that pull you pull you in. And then um, there are other motions, of course, that you want to avoid that, uh, you know, make you, uh, that's where the the simulator sickness and stuff comes Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. So when you're, yeah, sort of like, yeah, when when you're building for this sort of stuff, because I understand like what you're saying, Mm -hmm. like, it's not about, you know, frame rate, it's not about jetter, but those things can take you out of the experience. So how do you balance the fact that you're obviously wanting to go for the right sort of emotions and you're wanting to, to let people experience this world with the technical uh, realities and limitations that kind of exist with this stuff right now? Yeah, well, really, that's the really cool, the really cool thing about emotions, uh, and emotions are being so core. Emotions come from a very old part of the brain, you know, the limbic system, which is also the part that's going to experience uh, simsickness. And so, what you can do, emotions can actually um, uh, act, can actually, you know, mitigate the the feeling of disgust. You know, uh, basically, uh, comfort and you know, simsickness is the uncanny valley of VR. Sure. <laughs> and uh, the emotion is discussed. You can actually design an emotion profile coming from the actions people take in this in a virtual reality game that creates other emotions that reduce the disgust that the person feels. Emotions can also like you know direct attention to solve you know uh, you know to one part of the environment to solve a little bit of the you know I look I can look around anywhere um, uh, issue, and they can also give you haptic feedback. So there are some low frequency audio tests that we've been running in the studio where you can actually give the player the feeling, like a physical feeling, an almost physical feeling of being in a world or touching things or, you know, being interacting with, with objects, uh, all without an actual suit and gloves. Uh, wow. So that's really, really, really cool. Um, and again, it's because, you know, it's this, um, if you can go in very uh, precisely, very surgically and work this uh, the emotion profile, create this right series of emotions that are happening, you can really deepen the experience and really intensely uh, and create more immersion. And so that's what we're having a lot of, a lot, a lot of fun with. How did you come up with the idea to go for emotions in such a, a scientific way? Because it's such a, people think of it as such a, a, I guess, what's the word? Cloudy, 
shapeless, formless. Where there's yeah, a it's more, yeah. Yeah, but you're going you're talking about it in this way where you can very specifically pinpoint emotions and draw them out of people. Yeah, I think well, emotions are probably about the most analog kind of aspect of our experiences that we have. And so why why I go about it in a scientific way? Well, what I noticed is that in measuring emotions, and we work with we've worked on everything from like uh, the original Mist series. We've worked on three of those. I've worked with the Sims Two team and uh, Diner Dash, Star Wars, lots of different types of games. You're literally naming all of my favorite games. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Let's She's not pinpointing talk about your emotions, Christina. I was going to say, let's not talk about how much time I've spent on time management games and how much those things. Oh, yeah. Because the Diner Dash series, you know, like I've seriously spent so much time on those games, but also the Myst games and, and Star Wars and those sorts of things. So, uh, sorry, go on. So, so you've yeah, yeah. So, but what I noticed is that um, is that we can, um, I use Paul Ekman, Ekman's facial um, action coding. So there's seven emotions in the face. Others you can measure in the body. And what I did was I did a, a very large study where we measured uh, emotions on people's faces, everything from playing everything from Tetris to Halo, Call of Duty to Bejeweled, young and old, male and female, at home, at work, at the dorm, wherever they happen to game. And what we found is that time and time again, people's favorite uh, moments in games were had emotional, you know, had they had emotion expressions. Their micro expressions are very fast. You have to, they're about less than a quarter of a second often. But what we did was we took then each uh, people's favorite uh, favorite moments in games across all games and then group them by the emotions they were feeling. And so what we did was we realized that there was, you know, curiosity, wonder, surprise, that kind of went into one group. Amusement and the feeling of social bonding, schadenfreude, envy, greed, you know, that went into another group. Frustration that led to the epic win, yes, Fiero, that went into another group. And what we found is that basically people play games for four different reasons, if you boiled it all down. And uh, there was, they played for, the no, for novelty, curiosity, wonder, and surprise. They played for the challenge and mastery, frustration leading to Fiero. They played for social interaction, so, for, so amusement and social bonding, um, you know, and schadenfreude, as I said. And then there's a, and then they also played for the, uh, changing themselves or changing their world. So, you know, getting excited, they wanted to get excited, they wanted to relax, they wanted to make a difference in the world, so real, real world change. And so those are what we call uh, the four keys to fun. And uh, it's research that you can find up on my website. There's um, some white papers and uh, a free poster and stuff like that that have been used uh, over the years by hundreds of thousands of leading game developers uh, around the world. Mm -hmm. And the, the really interesting thing was that what we noticed is like, well, it wasn't story that was creating the emotion, really, you know, across genres. It wasn't, you know, the art. I mean, those are all are part of it. But the actual interaction design itself created emotion. Mm -hmm. And that's what was really cool. And so that's how I decided to, you know, focus on, you know, create, do this research, really focus on in detail, like what were the actions that people were uh, most, uh, most often doing that they, they, they enjoyed? And then what were the emotions that they, um, um, that they experienced? We found all kinds of stuff with the four keys to fun. I mean, one of it is that you know, people in, in games that you go for a long time, they'll uh, best games often alternate be between like the, the easy fun of exploration to the uh, hard challenge of a, of, a, um, uh, of, a, of, a, of a contest or something like that. So dribbling a basketball is fun. You can just do that all day. That's easy fun. It's just, it's just kind of fun. Uh, you know, it's the bubble wrap of game design. <laughs> but then and after, yeah, but then, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention that your website is xeodesign.com and that's going to be in the show notes, um, but go on. Yeah, yeah, and so then, um, and then, so that's the bubble wrap of game design, you know, easy fun. And then, but then after a while, that's 15, that's uh, 15 to 20 minutes or maybe five minutes or three minutes on, an, on a mobile device, then the novelty window, if you will, closes and you're, you're going to put it down unless there's some hard fun. Oh, a goal. Oh, wait, I wonder if I can do that. Or I, I see this thing over here. Or, and then that's when you stop dribbling the basketball and then start shooting, you know, baskets. And the basket is uh, fun because it's small and overhead, right? That's, uh -huh. uh, you know, for basketball. It's, it would not be fun if it was, you know, a double-sized waist basket sitting, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the table. That's not fun, right? At least if you're more than like one year old, you know, it's not fun. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, but then, and so then games do that. And then when you win a game like Diner Dash, for example, one of my favorite games, uh, when you yes. win a restaurant level, right? Yeah. You get a new restaurant. 
So then it's kind of like it, it refreshes, you know, there's novelty, new kind of food, new, new sounds, new flavors. Well, there's not really flavors, but, you know, you feel, you're, you know, <laughs> you think of it and, uh, and, then you, and then you move on. And so that's how games, you know, kind of, kind of do that. When you win a game level in Halo, you know, you get, it unlocks usually a whole new area. And then you explore that area with easy fun and then get to the hard fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're bouncing back and forth with really good games. Now, why, you know, so if we look at what else is going on with the, uh, um, since the model went out, we also talked about something called people fun. And now we've seen a lot of social interaction as being a very key part of gameplay. And the social emotions are really fun. Uh, you know, a game like Farmville came out, and that was, <laughs> that was that, a few people played that one. It did. Well, no, I look, I was going through a really tough period of time. I was about to move, and um, I was really stressed. And I have to say, I probably spent four or $500 on that game, and it was so <gasps> worth it. I don't even care, Simone. Don't, 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 don't shock. That's what I'm talking about. It's the number more so than, you know, I'm glad it helped. I'm glad that, uh, no, that I, you the, found No, the money was irrelevant. It really was because, like, for two hours a day, and it wasn't even the, so, I mean, the social part was part of it, but just, like, getting through those, like, just, like, like, getting that little ding, having that little Pavlovian thing, like, it was so... <laughs> yeah. And and it's Mashable's fault, I should add, because they came out with an iPad version. This was like five years ago, and I had to write oh. out the damn iPad version, and that sucked me into the game. And I went, "Damn you all to hell!" <laughs> um, but yeah, oh yeah. God. So it's like you know, so it's the social part, and then the Pavlovian ding. That's this what we call this the fourth key, which is which is uh, serious fun. Mm-hmm. So we've got people fun, and there are more emotions in playing with other people, whether they're NP- non-player characters, NPCs, or real people like your your real friends, yeah, or your virtual friends, right? Uh, or a pet, right? Um, and then there is the serious fun, which is all about the reward after the win, right? What is it that you know? What is my sense of progress? How am I making the world in um, you know on screen better, or the real mm-hmm. world in the real world? Like a uh, Minecraft yeah. has got you know you can think of you know. Um, you know, badges and points, little rings, that sort of thing. That's all serious fun. But Minecraft is awesome because you can actually create that, you know, you know that 486 processor or that, that player piano, and then it's there. You know, you've created um, something. It's permanent or semi-permanent and then you can share it with your friends so it feels less like a waste of time the sims is kind of, the sims was kind of the same way for me yeah uh, I, I used to spend so many hours designing things on the sims and 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 in subsequent versions you know when they opened up you know the ability to to, to share those things and 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 like mm-hmm. have like the the uh whatever they called it the exchange or whatever like it opened up this whole even at the beginning yeah. like you were able to they did that even i think the first version you could have a way yeah, to download modding stuff. has always been a huge part of the sim community yeah people want to make stuff and then share it with other stuff and uh, see those oh completely pictures of your beautiful interior oh yeah no totally and then you know if you're someone like me who like the whole point of the game is basically just to use like the various free money cheats and and, and hack the game so you can just <laughs> you can just build your 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 your, your gay male um couple uh like their most beautiful <laughs> dream house ever and then create ridiculous love triangles that they're in and and uh yeah, yeah. you know like but like but but that sort of thing like you feel a sense of accomplishment like i've spent five hours on this game but i've built this beautiful beautiful thing and i can share it with someone Mm-hmm. totally and so you can see like how you move between all four keys there in a sense you know yeah. you've got the creativity for easy fun you have the people the social um you know interaction you have you know something that you've created that you know you can share and then you have a little bit of hard fun it's not too hard in the sims but how did you set up that love triangle that did take work and oh it does it does <laughs> oh my god all because the best part is they all have to be in love with one another yeah, so they're right, all miserable right. when they're in the same room together, but yet they all love each other. And it's, I mean, to me, that's, that, there's that's, poetry that, in that, Christina. It really that's is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it also points out the fact that, that The Sims is still all about like binary types of love, which is, you know, mm-hmm. problematic yeah. and whatnot. But like, but regardless of that, I don't care because I'm in it for the drama. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when it comes to making a VR game, how do you get yeah. that social aspect in there? Well, that's the real, that is a real trick. So um, if you think about, the there 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 are several ways. Um, I think that the the reason why it's such a goal and it's a real holy glare uh, holy grail for VR is because that really social interaction, those emotions I mentioned, really those mechanics all really drive uh, retention. There are and in fact there are more emotions in people fun than the other three keys of what we call the four keys to fun and mm-hmm. those other three keys combined. So you know, getting people fun is is hugely hugely important. Um, and so, but the problem is that, you know, how are we going to interact socially if we all have, um, you know, a, uh, all have an HMD, a head mounted display, yeah, you yeah. know, plastered to our face, right? Cause I can't see your eyes. 
And that's like the most important thing visually. The window right? to the soul. Soul, yeah. Well, all of the, almost all of the emotions uh, that I mentioned that we measure, and then a few we've actually developed, a few new measures we've developed in our lab here that we, you know, are just our sort of secret sauce. Uh, but most of them all revolve around the eyes, the eyes and the, um, uh, the eyes and the, uh, uh, yeah, the eyes and the, uh, and the eyebrows and stuff like that. So yeah. So what do, how do we, how do we do that? Currently people are saying, okay, we're going to do a, um, we're going to do it with a, um, uh, you know, avatars. So we'll have like mm -hmm. a world of Warcraft or, you know, when the, but the problem is that the emotive qualities of these avatar systems right now is pretty low. It's pretty low. Um, and you know, it's like, cause like the Sims, you know, if you had the Sims walking around, the Sims are great cause they're fairly low poly, they're fairly lowly, lowly, you know, low resolution. But if you're in virtual reality, you really want high, you want high resolution. And then you get that weird uncanny valley. Yeah. So for, the challenge. So, yeah. So for our game, what we're doing is we're doing a lot of the surrogate, uh, emotions. So for example, if you think about product design, you can actually, uh, design social emotions. Um, uh, it's actually already happening. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned, I designed the first iPhone game and when the iPhone came out, it's really crazy because I watch people like and their emotions are like that. What are they doing on these, on these new devices? Um, and what I saw is that like, if we share our photos, what do you do? You know, you, uh, on my iPhone, you'll, you know, you'll tap my iPhone, the glass of my iPhone, you'll swipe, you know, you'll pinch, you'll zoom, right? Uh -huh. if you, but if you do those gestures on like the back of my hand, Christina, you know, we better be in a date or something. <laughs> Right? 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 I don't know. Whatever. And so, well, you know, and so like how, how brilliant of Apple, yeah. how brilliant of Apple to put gestures to drive their intimate UI. Intimate gestures. Very that create gestures. social emotions for a device that has your phone, your contacts, your email, your Facebook. Yeah. So just by making a call, uh, I feel closer to my friends, right? Mm -hmm. you're, all, you're generating oxytocin and some other neuro, neurochemicals um, that, that help uh, create social bonds. So what in Follow the White Rabbit, we're doing, uh, we're doing a little bit of, uh, of that. So what can we do to generate oxytocin both, um, both physically in the player as they play? And then also we're telling story uh, with the, uh, in the environment. Mm -hmm. So uh, very similar to what, the, what Mist did. And I love, uh, as I mentioned, we worked on three of them doing player studies and stuff like that. And uh, I love what they, what they, brilliant artistry. And what they did is they created a lot of story in the environment. So as you go through the world, you know, you're going to be picking up clues and who are these people. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't have to have, you know, fully rendered characters with you, you know, with there all the, all, all the time. Yeah. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture also did that really well, where you, you see traces of what people touched and where they lived. And that just gives you, and you also hear their voices. And that gives you such an intimate idea of what, you know, spoilers, the last moments of their lives were like. This episode of Rocket was brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, which is the wonderful product that lets you, that helps you never type the same sentences over and over and over again. If you are, if you find yourself doing that for your job or just for funsies, I don't know who you would be doing that. Anyway, if you're doing that, Text Expander can save you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into those frequently used text chunks and even pictures it will improve your communication it will improve your workflow by just saving you so much time on the things that you type over and over again you can increase consistency in your email responses by filling in those those things that you say in every email um you can use them in, you can use it to expand it to emojis which is of course our favorite use of it i've been thinking about expanding my typos into things that i say over and over again but <laughs> i think that's not an advertised use of the product <laughs> but it it also helps you customize stock replies by adding fill in fields and pop-ups so you it you won't sound like a robot all the time which for some of us can be a challenge i'm looking at you robots out there you should get text expander. <laughs> if you're, if, if, if you, if, ever, if anyone's ever fearing that you're going to become a Cylon, you need to yes. use text expander. <laughs> text expander will help you keep in touch with your humanity and your emotions. You will be assimilated. 
<laughs> so Text Expander 5 is here now to help you type things faster than ever before. Probably at the speed of light is what scientists are telling me uh, people have been clocked at typing. Um, and they make suggestions of frequently typed phrases that you can abbreviate. So, you know, you don't have to identify those patterns yourself. Text Expander will help you adjust your own workflow and provide suggestions for things that you can then abbreviate that it will expand for you to make your life so much easier. And then you can also sync those snippets across multiple devices uh, by storing them on iCloud or Dropbox. So basically, you'll never have to actually type full sentences again, is what I'm hearing here. Basically. Christina, do you ever type full sentences? Uh, I I do type full sentences, but... um... I, I also uh, sometimes type full sentences and full paragraphs entirely with text expander snippets. That is freaking fantastic. And because you use, you've talked before about how you use it at work because there are a lot of yes. things that you have to kind of do for everything that you publish. Exactly. And so there, there are like, there's a whole like little comment code thing that we have at the end. And instead of typing like, like leave your, you know, it, have a comment to leave it at the bottom whatever i just type yeah, in mash. yeah. Just it's a pain in, in the butt i just type in mashcom and that enters in the, the, the text that i need and uh i have other things like you know um you know triple o will be whatever mm-hmm. my current out of office thing is or something or like um you know uh if i if i do like uh you know w phone like it'll type in like my uh you know work phone number or w ad it'll do you know like you can send, you know, products to me at 114 Fifth Avenue, 15th floor, New York, New York, 10011. And actually, you can um, just address it to Christina Warren at Mashable, care of Mashable. They'll take care of it. You know, like not having to type all that stuff out becomes really, mm-hmm. really helpful. Yeah. And it works inside a bunch of different apps like On the Outliner 2, Fantastical 2, Drafts, Launch Center Pro, Editorial, many, many, many more. Yep. Uh, it's made by Smile, who we love. We love and Smile. Yeah, and we yeah. love Smile. <laughs> Text Expander 5 costs uh, $44.95. Um, and you can get it by visiting smilesoftware.com slash rocket. Um, it requires uh, Yosemite, and it is ready for El Capitan. It's available on iOS in the App Store for iPhone and iPad. And the upgrade is free if you purchased uh, Text Expander on or after January 1st, 2015. So if you're hanging around waiting to upgrade, don't do that anymore. Go. Go do it. It's yeah, awesome. It's great. Yeah. So thank you so much, Smile and Text Expander 5, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket. We totally dig ya. And let's keep talking about augmented reality, because actually The Verge uh, published recently a piece on Magic Leap and sort of the, the things that Magic Leap is intending to do with their technology, which we don't have a really we don't have a really solid idea of what it is yet. I found an article from Gizmodo in 2014 where they were it's going to be headwear glasses, basically, like yes. Google Glass. But as of 2014, it seemed like they were still working with, like, a very large prototype headset and were looking to kind of minimize that. And a reader of The Verge sent in basically a very, very old slideshow presentation from Magic Leap back in the day that has so many bizarre and awesome and really interesting possibilities for what the technology could be used for including including a u2 concert in your living room yes. there was this beautiful photo of a family all wearing the magic leap glasses enjoying and bono. watching bono yes as i do and will do every day once you well, know, it's not just Bono. The edge is there, realistic. too. I mean, it's not just Adam Bono. Adam was also there in the back. But, yeah, you know, was. let's be real. Bono was up front screaming his face <laughs> off, as he is wont to do. And what's amazing is that the glasses that they have the family wearing look a whole lot like uh, Bono's wraparounds. I noticed that. That was my first thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's why they chose you 2 But actually, no. I prefer to think that they chose you 2 because you 2 does consistently make huge technological, like, innovations every time they launch a concert tour they, they do just a bunch of old men no thank they, you christina no they do a ton of that they also you know automatically download their album to your iphone <laughs> and then um young twitter is like who the hell is you too and christina cries young twitter is ignorant and they need to come <laughs> fight me in my home if that's what they want to talk about 
Well, it's not not surprising that Verse uh, is actually they just they just launched their their YouTube's on there, right? Yes, song for someone. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you can actually see that now. Yeah, Verse is awesome, cardboard. by the way. Verse is is, yeah. is amazing. I haven't used that. V R S E. Um, they have a really great iPad app, and they've got um, you can use it with Google Cardboard, Gear VR. Um, and it's Dude, basically it's, awesome. it's it's all like virtual reality films and stuff. They do fantastic stuff. It's really cool on the iPad Pro, especially because um, you can move it around and kind of get the whole sense of the 3D virtual reality stuff without having to have the glasses on. So it's a little more immersive, um, at least than like the cardboard. I find, even though it it is kind of heavy to you know move the iPad Pro around mm-hmm. your face, but it's kind of awesome <laughs> to kind of be able to like move it left right up down and kind of get the entire sense of what's happening so so, so can, you, can you strap it to your face like a, like a tango i mean you could i guess but i think that i mean the thing weighs like a pound and a half nicole so i think that that if you did that you know it'd be a problem you need a neck support <laughs> so I think. Neck well you're support. gonna you're gonna find me dead in my bed with an ipad pro on my face just lying no there. what's gonna happen what's gonna happen is somebody's gonna be reading or doing this stuff in bed and it's gonna fall on their face and knock oh. them out and, and they're gonna get like a small concussion and it's gonna be a lawsuit i guarantee it's gonna happen and apple's gonna be like yeah worth it um this is a scenario either from dead like me or from jessica jones i can't decide which <laughs> No, I think Dead Like Me. I think Dead <laughs> totally. Like Me. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought of that show in such a long time. I love that show. I love that show so yeah. much. That was a great oh show. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of Jessica Jones, we are not talking about it this week because Brie isn't here, but all three of us have watched at least part of it, and mm-hmm. we're all in love. So if you're not watching Jessica Jones on Netflix, what's wrong with you? Listen to the rest I'll of this totally episode. Listen to the rest of this episode because it's going to be good. But then, seriously. Yeah. The only thing restraining us from talking about it is our love and respect for Brianna Wu because otherwise that would be topics one, two, and three. Yep. Just all around. Without a doubt. Yep. Uh, so, okay. So do you guys, so you guys looked at this presentation. What were kind of your impressions about Magic Leap and what the heck is going on with it? Because so few people have gotten their hands on it so far. Well, okay. So I've talked to this company a number of times, and it's weird. This sort of makes sense in the sense that they, like last year, they raised like half a billion dollars, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. It was um, a really big mm-hmm. funding round. And obviously, it was before the big uh, valuation kind of crunch that's been happening now. And they've had a bunch of different ideas of where they want to kind of go with the future of UI and UX and, and interaction stuff. And so I almost wonder if like some of this is just like their. But they've done it like with like not just the glasses, but also with moving your hands around. And they have, you know, some of the different things that are available are are really interesting. I don't know. I almost wonder like this is all really fantastic, but I almost wonder if this is all part of like an investor presentation thing about like, please give us money because this is what we want to do rather than th- these are things that we actually have hardcore working prototypes for. Because it seems like it was literally everything. Like their their user profiles, there was a child, there were teenagers, there were old older women who didn't game, there were people who did game, like hardcore gamers. Like it just ran the entire like human spectrum of people who might use this technology. So it seemed like they were shooting rather wide. I don't know if that's customary when you're making VC pitches, like shoot for the stars. Uh, when you're raising five hundred million dollars, certainly. I mean, how why, why else would you be able to raise that much money? You know what I mean? <laughs> like to, to, to have a five hundred thirty-four million dollar funding round that's like led by Google, like that's that to me, you've got to go big. It, it seems, and 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 they've worked with some really impressive people, so. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's cool that the a lot of the scenarios towards the end of the deck uh, are in the patent. So very yeah. similar, you know. Yes. Very similar kind of things rolling out, which was which was kind of interesting and talking about next steps. And so it did seem like someone it's part of a road somebody's roadshow. That's exactly. Sure. But I think what's cool about it is that, and what's attractive about Magic Leap itself is that um, it, it it really inspires curiosity about what what what's coming next. And I think that's a little bit of the magic behind Magic Magic Leap uh, that they're showing. Uh, they, I mean, obviously they're not showing, but they are. Uh, you know, <laughs> they're, they're inspiring. <laughs> they're hiding. Yes, but I think what they're doing, what I really love about them, is that they're doing what I call design leadership. And I think that that in this world of tech, you know, we really need a lot more of, especially you know, with uh, you know, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the leaders uh, in the space are really kind of slowing slowing down. And by that, I mean, when we, uh, you know, creating products that really inspire us, mm-hmm. that create new, new genres of use, new, new, new case studies, new, new ways of thinking, really, and that really improve our lives. 
and uh, as opposed to just making things a little bit better. Uh, a couple years ago, I was at CES, and it was really clear that you know the only thing that they were doing was they were making you know televisions that were 3D and Facebook enabled. Yep. And then they all failed. And, <laughs> and they all failed because there was not enough leadership, right? When you get, you know, there wasn't enough leadership and not enough of an inspiring vision, not enough, you know, application to, you know, change, you know, work and embed itself in my life and improve the quality of my life. Uh, and I think that what Magic Leap is looking at and why there's so many things out there, uh, so many scenarios, is that they're really want, they're really looking at curio with a big bunch of curiosity about what does it mean to overlay, you know, computer graphics overlaid in the real world when we get rid of the screen. Because uh, if we think about computers at the very beginning, you know, we were, um, uh, it was very much a, uh, a worship. <laughs> you basically, you showed up with your stack of punch cards, you know, and you handed it over to the priest, the high priest of the computer. And then tomorrow or the next day, you might get your results, right? Uh, that was in the, before there was actually, you know, a computer monitor, right, uh, that, where you could actually type and see things. And I think where we got with augmented reality and what Magic Leap is doing is just this, you know, if we can, you know, have these graphics in the real world, what is it that we're going to do? And I think as fantastic and out there as some of these scenarios are, uh, there's going to be even, you know, it's going to be even more, even more than what we're saying. There's still a lot of what we kind of like, they feel, feel like horseless carriages and not quite automobiles. Mm -hmm. yeah. Although I do love the spell book um, and I do love Sony's version of it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. idea of, yeah, I want one of those. Oh, That's totally. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, just look up spells and then, you know, say the little magic thing and then wand and then suddenly I've got a dragon flying around my room. It's like, it's wow, fantastic. that does not. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant with a little wand accessory. The wand like accessory that's... is what makes it. That's what makes yeah, it. Basically. Yeah, basically. And wasn't there a book accessory too? Or am yeah. I there's a that book. Up? There's a book and then some really cool little steampunky sort of glasses that you would wear, you know. To, oh, yeah, the, yeah. Right? They had a different yeah. glasses model for that that wasn't mm -hmm. like the Bono wraparounds. But the... Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> that's so funny. And it's such a, it's very, it's, it's sweet and a lovely sort of innocent idea. Like what, of course, that's what we would want to do if we could conjure dragons in our bedrooms. Obviously, this is a possibility. That's really cool. Um, did my <laughs> my phone just started recording my voice apropos of nothing? Did Siri just open for some reason for you? Yep. <laughs> uh oh. Whatever, it's okay. Siri. I turned her off. Go to sleep, Siri. At least dragon's not on. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that too, like if you look at like the spell book, that's just a that's just the first step. That would be just the gateway. Uh-huh. It wouldn't be, you know, going back to like a, what would make it a real game or a complete experience. It's like, well, I can cast spells, but after a while, my room's full of like exotic creatures. But okay, and I'll close whatever. the book and, and yeah. whatever, right? But if you could do, you know, create creatures and then go off and have an adventure together, now we're talking. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what would be really, really, really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would love to bring, you know, uh, Follow the White Rabbit to Magic Leap or, you know, an augmented case where you could actually work, you know, search for the rabbit in the real world and, mm -hmm. you know, do magic. To, uh, to make that, you know, to make the rabbit appear and disappear. I think that would be amazing. Do you guys think that Magic Leap will be harmed by, at least in the photos, what is a visual similarity to Google Glass? Uh, I mean, that's possible, but I think that it really comes down to what you can make it do. I think Glass, part of the, it failed for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, um, what they actually ended up delivering was not at all what the demo was that they first showed off in, in, in you know, in their first little ad thing. Second of all, the people that were kind of like the, the you know, like the representation of glass, the glass holes, if you were, were the worst possible <laughs> people that you would ever want to represent the vision of your future. Yeah. They were literally the most awful, awful people. And and I went to a couple of Google Glass uh, meetups that Google sponsored, and I met like just, these we're talking like, like multi-level marketer, like hangers on, just like the not that have a people that you want to be seen as your early adopters for your product you know what i mean like mm -hmm. totally so you almost more want the whimsy of conjure dragon in your bedroom rather than this is my enterprise headset that right. i'm going to use to spy on you exactly and make spreadsheets well that and i also feel like in your bedroom is the big key here right because yeah, there's something private. different about what you're doing in your house versus something that you're walking down the street and I feel like we're a lot more open to looking stupid if we can have a great experience. I mean, I think that's why mm -hmm. so many people are excited about Oculus and even HoloLens. Whereas, because you're not expected, at least right now, to be walking down the street with that. Whereas <laughs> walking down the street with Google Glass, you look like a moron. Um, but I, I mean, I think that it just depends on what they can deliver as an experience. But yeah, certainly, I mean, that's going to be, I think, a big challenge for any of these things is, is mm -hmm. finding headwear 
whether it's a head-mounted system like an Oculus or it, it's a glasses component or whatever, but making it not look and feel awkward. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be fashionable yeah. at first, but it can't be awkward. Well, yeah. and I think I can go in like a little bit deeper on the awkward part is that it was, you know, really two reasons why glass failed. The first one was that the the industrial design, it was so, um, it, it, it was so, the, the shape of it was not cool, Ray-Ban, you know, didn't yeah. look like Tom Cruise or, <laughs> or whoever you wanted to look like. It, you looked like a cyborg, you know, you would be assimilated. And it was a, it was a dark eyebrow, a dark, straight, fat eyebrow, which is a very menacing feeling. And so if you're, you know, if you want to walk around the world as a security, you know, guy or gal, you know, then great, you know, that's, that's the look. But uh, if you want people to adopt and be friendly, it was, it really put an emotional wall of unfriendliness between you and everyone else. And then to add to it with the second component of why it failed is that the surveillance aspect was just super, um, uh, was super prominent in the design. So you really knew that 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 camera was, you know, videotaping you, you know, mm-hmm. when you w- looked at someone with uh, who was wearing glass. And were they looking at you or were they watching something else, you know, in their thing? So that social disconnect yeah. uh, was multifolded. So they really did not get the social design um, of the product, both yes. from an appearance standpoint that you guys were talking about, but also in terms of the social interaction. Well, that's And, and, uh, and that's what I mean by the know? people that were yeah. involved with it, who were the worst ambassadors for it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, they really were. And, and I think they didn't quite understand, you're right, like the social dynamics of how you can be around these things and, and what would make sense and what wouldn't make sense, you know. They thought well, having... What, what kind? Sorry, go on. Oh, yeah, I was just like, what kind of social emotions? What emotion? You've got a product. And this is true not for el- not only glass, but everything, you know, from this microphone to this laptop to this, you know, um, this, uh, this you know, the stack of head-mounted <laughs> virtual reality displays I have. Here. It's quite a stack. Um, you know, it, it's, how does it, what emotions does it create when you look at it? What does it create when you wear it, when you interact with it? And then what does it, you know, how does it change the emotions between, between people? And, uh, you know, if it's put any kind of wall between you and your friends, that's going to be, um, that's going to be really challenging to get yes. uh, adoption because you want viral word of mouth. I mean, you, you can advertise to get, you know, your Snapchat logo in front of a bunch of people like there, it's, you know, uh, I live in the East Bay. And so outside San Francisco, and there's a big one right outside the Coliseum. Uh, you can advertise that way, but the best, of course, is word of mouth. Best is, of course, social media. And if you're going to mess with social emotions, you want the viral emotions where people will share and get closer. You don't really want the emotions that pull them apart and make you feel strange and awkward and, and weird. Hmm. I'm just thinking about that. That that really ties in. That social aspect ties into one of my favorite VR games, which is Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yes, you've, yeah, 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 of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah awesome it's game. just so much fun to require, to make you interact with someone and then bring in that, wrap in that communication aspect where even if you are visually closed off from them, you still have to think of ways to talk to them and think of ways to make them understand what you're seeing. And that's just such a, such a wonderful mechanic to wrap into VR. Yeah, and if you haven't played it, basically one person's wearing the head-mounted display, the VR system, and the other person has a manual um, that they with instructions. So the guy, the guy or the girl inside VR has a bomb, <laughs> or <laughs> with lots of wires, and they got to like, okay, and a timer. Oh my gosh, got to got to get it defused before it explodes. But they don't have the manual. Person in real life has the manual, uh-huh. and so you have to communicate in order to, um, uh, you know, get that to, uh, you know, in order to undetonate or to uh, deactivate the bomb. And so there's a social play there, a lot of people fun um, and laughing and stuff like that. And you just feel great because you're interacting with another person. And games really, and to a large extent, uh, most games are really just an excuse to spend time with your friends. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. like, you know, I think pretty much everybody's probably had the experience of playing poker, uh, you know, around a card table. And, um, you know, there's always two groups of people. You know, one is like the, uh, you know, okay, they're just, they're sitting, they're chatting, they're having a good time. And then the other group is like, no, no, we got to hurry up, get your turn over. Cause you know, we're, <laughs> I want to play <laughs> poker. I don't, I'll quit the socializing. Right. Well, the social aspect is what a lot of products and a lot of games, if you get the, that, that, that sense of connectedness and that sense of uh, fun and sharing and getting closer, uh, you've really got a, mm-hmm. a, a, a gold mine for your, for your thing. So Google Glass had very little of that. And, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> keep talking and no one explodes as another, another one is um, on Sony Morpheus has play, is a, the playroom, you, you play a big Godzilla lizard with a, with a head-mounted display on. And so you're chasing these little minions. The minions are controlled by your friends in the real world. 
And then you're the Godzilla with a head-mounted display, and so you you basically are going rawr. And then as you go back and forth, your head you know, you, you you rock back and forth, and you can, your head will demolish buildings, you know, around oh, all that's your cool. little minion friends. Oh, it's really cute. It's a very very nice. And again, it's playing off of a social you know interaction, mm-hmm. which is really which is really key. And what's interesting about Magic Leap is there's um, uh, not a lot of discussion in what's leaked anyway. Uh, about the social components, because AR, that's the gold mine in AR, uh, all mm-hmm. augmented reality. In augmented reality, you can see the real world, and it's just, you have computer graphics projected on your eyeball or on a piece of glass in mm-hmm. front of you. You can still see the real world. So you don't and have, you're not necessarily forcibly cut off from exactly. your environment and everyone around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's Star Wars chess, right? It's, you know, you know, <laughs> you know I'm Chewbacca, you're R2, and, you know, we're playing chess, and we can look at each other's faces while we play. That's, <laughs> that's awesome, right? Yeah. Virtual reality can't do that very well. But um, so what I'm surprised about Magic Leap is that really it's the social component is, is huge. I think Cast AR, which is a, um, a reflected, they did a Kickstarter a while ago, and uh, they've got uh, another system where they, um, where they can, uh, you know, do board games. They're a lot more focused on, at least the demos anyway, on, on having those social experiences. And of course, my friends working in Magic Leap are going, well, we are, we are, I'm sure we are working on social stuff. They probably are. <laughs> I just don't know about it. But, <laughs> oh. but that's the way, I mean, I think in terms of assessing, like, where they are, I mean, I think that that, um, you know, just bringing graphics into the real world mm-hmm. is, uh, and making a 3D hologram is kind of one thing. But when we're actually interacting together with that 3D real world projected content, that's when the thing gets really So should really Magic fun. Leap succeed, that will probably be a driving factor is how well it how well it engages with that social aspect and then avoids Google Glass syndrome of making people feel disconnected and scared of each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then also does better than HoloLens. Yeah, that's HoloLens the other thing. Because like, like we've like, all seen HoloLens and a lot of people have gotten their hands on it. We've seen demos of it, but we haven't, we don't have anything current like that from Magic Leap. No. And it's probably the closest analog to it. So are they, they're obviously at some point going to be put in competition with each other. Yeah, I don't know if the technology is, is at all the same, exactly. but experience-wise, experience HoloLens wise, they're definitely doing the same thing. Yeah. Or yeah, similar and things. The, the, yeah, and it's got like, um, uh, HoloLens has got like a 20 to 30 degree uh, field of view. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about putting on your, you know, your sunglasses and you could only see, it's like holding a business card out at almost arm's length, not all the way out, but a business card. Mm-hmm. That's about as big as these augmented reality displays. Um, and that's true of the category that HoloLens is in. You know, it's just that, that small. So you're moving that projected thing around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, much better is if you've got like I think Cast AR is, is quite a bit quite a bit larger, and I've seen some other systems yeah. that are because you really want that wide field of view because then you feel like Minecraft is right. spilling off of your yeah. table, and it's not just you don't feel like it if yeah, and it's not just a yeah. little square that it kind of is right now with Hololens, which is still really cool, mm-hmm. but it's not yeah. quite what they promised. Sell. Well, <laughs> right, I mean, and, and to be implied, fair, I guess is up, a better what, word. What, what they end up, you know, I think that that is still their ultimate goal. What they're it's, able to there's definitely, now. yeah, they're, they're they're still they're still in the um, Hololens is still in the Project Natal stage. If you remember that demo yes, for which was the Connect, right, right, yeah. and I I I designed um, back in the day. I designed uh, some probably the, probably the first one of the first camera uh, cram, camera game body grammars, you know, for background subtraction. It's about 15 years before you know the Connect came out. And as I saw the Natal video, it's like, well, that that's really cool. Love it. But, you know, you're not going to get, you know, X, Y, Z interaction. So it's still pretty, it's still pretty demo-y, pretty like out there, mm-hmm. but fun. And then, you know, when I talk about design leadership, you know, we definitely need those kind of vision demos to get, to move us forward into yeah. interesting areas. Uh, but let's call them vision demos. Let's not call them shipping products. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Foot Cardigan. It has been a while since I have had a monthly subscription service to sell to you guys, but I am really excited about this one. So Foot Cardigan is a monthly sock subscription. They sell cute, whimsical socks, and you can get them sent, uh, get a pair of socks sent to you every month. And they also have a, a kids program called Whippersnappers, and you actually get two pairs of socks a month if you have a child or if you yourself are particularly small footed i guess hi um yeah you christina of the tiny hands and tiny feet i mean i I didn't know you had tiny feet too uh size five and a half or six 
Oh, you delicate little fairy. <laughs> oh. Oh, I have a I have the other problem. I have like size ten slash eleven. Yes. So either way, each of you can enjoy. <laughs> Christina will get two socks a month because she's a whippersnapper. Nicole, you can just have one pair. It'll be whimsical uh, and adorable. Okay. Um, I actually love this idea right now because as has been pointed out to me, and uh, unfortunately by Black Friday, Christmas is coming up. You should be buying Christmas presents for people. And what better Christmas present than 12 freaking pairs of socks? Or actually, uh, sorry, there's subscriptions. There's a, a three-month, a six-month, and a nine-month. And then you can also do a monthly, uh, like month-by-month basis subscription. Just get socks sent to you. So instead of, uh, so instead of like the 12 days of Christmas, it's the 12 socks of Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Mary Socksmas. Yes. Oh, and you guys think about it, like you know, like uh, uh, stockings hung with care or whatever it is. <gasps> it's perfect. It really is. So if you're listening to us right now, because you're a listener of the show, you can get 10% off subscriptions, all subscriptions, with the code ROCKET at checkout. Uh, the website is, yes, it is footcardigan.com. And they actually, you can see their socks there. They have this other thing called a small batch. And these are like limited um, batches of socks where you can just like go buy the socks and eventually kind of like Teespring or tea fury the those socks will cease to exist and you won't be able to get them anymore. So go check that out. They're really cool. They also have the whippersnapper socks, which are freaking adorable. Yes, so fubcardigan.com. And um, yeah, remind people to stay warm this holiday season by wrapping their socks or their feet in socks that you will buy from Fubcardigan with a subscription. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of Rocket. Uh, you're awesome and cute. I want socks to, I, I, so I, it's so hard for me to throw out old pairs of socks. Like I had to sit down and force myself to do it. I was like, okay, it has a hole, but it's not a big hole. I can still, no, you throw that sock no, out, you, Simone, that you sock put away. it in the trash can. <laughs> Don't be cheap about it. So this would solve, I think, a lot of problems for people who wear their socks out. Me being one of them. Do we want to talk about the Dell laptop crisis or do we want to roll right into remote play? Let's roll right into remote play. That's the more interesting topic, I think. It really is. Yeah. So if you have a PS4, you probably know that it has this sweet feature called remote play where uh, if you are one of the the five people on Earth who has a PS Vita, you can play (laughs) PS4 games on your Vita. I am one of those privileged few, of course. Uh, So Shuhei Yoshida recently tweeted that Sony is... Looking into bringing remote play functionality to PCs and Macs, which is very cool and a pretty big deal since with the the Windows 10 update for Xbox One, you can play Xbox games on your Windows 10 PC. And we've talked a lot about how they could potentially bring that to phones and maybe someday save the Windows phone. But currently, um, if Sony does this, it could be a really interesting thing for the PlayStation 4 and just broadening... You know, yeah, how people already... access PS4 games. No, totally. I'd be interested to hear like what the minimum what the minimum requirements would be, um, how fast Definitely. of a connection you would need. I mean, obviously, it's it's easier for for Microsoft to do it because they have the same Windows 10 kind of basis, you know, the same mm-hmm. kernel that they're using underlying on the Xbox OS, uh, Xbox One OS, and on Windows 10. So that can you know, um, and and then you know, it, as long as you're on a strong network and you have a good network stack, it it's you know not that. Um, out of uh, you know the role of possibility to understand how that could work i've used i don't have a vita because no um <laughs> why no. don't you love yourself christina i do love myself that's why i don't have one um but i did review the PSTV, which had a similar feature that seems like a i've looked at that it seems like a sad device that could have been great oh that was a sad device that could have been great but it was not uh the only cool thing was is you could stream like ps3 games from certain uh-huh. things and but you it had like a remote play type thing and like that that kind of works kind of well so i mean you got to think if you can do it on the veto which is a pretty low power device why wouldn't you be able to do it on um a mac or a pc i'd still just be interested in knowing what the um specs would be uh i, I like when they say mac but then i also get a little bit like concerned because <laughs> i'm like do you guys know what you're getting into because this is a, <laughs> kind of a different ball game ball game for you guys and don't 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 leave us Mac users astray. Please let me play Fallout on my Mac. That would be actually kind of hilarious if I would play Fallout 4 on my Mac uh, from my PS4. That would be kind of amazing. The only way you can get Fallout on a Mac is to remote play it from your PS4. 
it makes me i'm really excited about it but the fact that so far the only source i've seen has just been the tweet and then the verge write-up of it i'm like i'm gonna hold my breath here this it's, is it's a like, cool... it's like oh this will be great when it comes out in two years and we're about to get a ps5 yeah oh don't <laughs> what too well, soon? okay what it made me think of yeah it's way too soon um i feel like i bought that thing just yesterday uh what it made me think of is a lot of the the recent uh, set top box releases, like that new Apple TV and yep. Amazon Fire TV, they are dabbling in the gaming market. They're bringing games to the to your TV in a like video first on a video first platform. And the PS4 and the Xbox One kind of do that the opposite way. They're gaming first platforms, but they have all those same services that you can subscribe to, so you can watch TV and movies and stuff. So this kind of to me speaks to. A, another way that we could broaden access to these games a lot of people talk about how consoles are you know not going to be around very much longer and i've always kind of resisted that because i love my console so much but the fact is if we can access these same games um on these a lot cheaper devices right potentially like, well but but again, it all kind of comes down to what are you streaming from? Because the whole notion of yeah. cloud gaming, you know, there was online, there was Galkey, which obviously Sony bought, mm-hmm. and, and online assets, which we talked about their whole, you know, down and fall, up, rise and fall on this show a number of episodes ago. You know, these services have been around, and they work well when you have a high enough throughput uh, for your bandwidth. That's been the, the biggest constraint so far has mostly been that. And even if you look at, like, what, what, what Steam OS is doing and some of the Steambox stuff, like, the idea of doing kind of this sort of streaming stuff makes sense. But I, but I, I think the big difference here is that this is still kind of precipice, you know, the, the, the precipice of this is that you do have a console somewhere in, you know, your, your, on your local network. So I feel like... It would be cool if one day we can get the internet throughput issues, you know, and, and, and the lag down enough. Lay so them you, to rest. So that you could actually do it from the cloud. But if you've got to actually be on a local network, then you've still got to actually have a console. So, it, but it's cool that, I mean, but the cool thing would be is that, okay, I'm in another room and I, I want to play, you know, Xbox or I want to play PlayStation and I can do it without kicking my husband out of the the den you know yeah like that and that honestly is like a compelling use case i think for a lot of people who are like um i have multiple tvs but i'm obviously not going to buy a console for each room of the house but you know i want to have the console in this room because it serves a lot of these purposes why can't i you know access it on a different type of device yeah, I think it definitely speaks to the uh, the, the periphery of uh, proliferation of just numbers of devices, numbers of you know uh, things. We don't none very few people have just like a normal TV set, you know, at home, and I think that that's uh, you know there's you know, or what you plug a console into, and so the the fact that consoles are now you know or gaming platforms are now talking about supporting multiple other gaming platforms is really speaking to the idea of maybe we will all sort of you know. Uh, there's a fight going on and then eventually consolidate into maybe one set of standards that everything plays off of, you know, with the, with the death of the console type of thing, where does that go? You know, what is it that we, we eventually end up, up doing? Um, but if it's convenience that you're selling or that you have the opportunity so I can game anywhere and game my game anywhere, I don't have to restart, you know, uh, you know, to when I move between these different devices, then I think that's a big win for consumers. Definitely. Um, but then if it's just, uh, it's just an access to a different device and is it, uh, what I look at is like, well, what could that, how could that enhance the player experience? Cause playing on a mobile device is very different, very different set of affordances and, and what's, what's cool, what's fun, what's possible, uh, than what's playing, you know, when I'm playing on my, you know, 44 inch, you know, uh, flat screen TV, very, I, you know, sitting back on the couch. So uh, I think we also need to think about, like, it's great that we can support, you know, a stream of content going to these different devices, but then there also needs to be a why do I care? Why, you know, what is it, how is that going to make, um, make my life, my, my gaming life more exciting, better, better, what have you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> that was a beautiful mic drop. <laughs> Uh, should we wrap up for the night? Yeah. Send y'all to bed. Christina, what are you up to this week? Uh, well, um, I'm enjoying the rest of the weekend off. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank um, you. And uh, so I've actually got a new podcast. Yay! 
Yet another cartoon. one. I know it's called Cartoon. Oh, wow. You are unstoppable. Yeah, I, I I need to have other hobbies. Is really what it is. It's called yeah. Cartoon Cast. I'm doing it with Micah Sargent, and uh, our first episode uh, came out this week, and um, it's called Cartoon Cast. It's on the Incomparable uh, um, Podcast Network, uh, Jason Snell's network, and um, basically it's just two adults talking about cartoons. That's all I've ever wanted. Um, it's pretty cool. We're, we're going to have That's you on awesome. for an anime episode, Simone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> At the one hour mark, Steven. At the one hour mark, Simone, edit. Simone never, I'm the one who curses. I'm the one who messes up, you guys. Like, this is, like, my problem. This is not, I love it so much. I'm dying. Oh, my God. I tried so hard to self-censor, and it didn't happen. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, I'm just going to drop that in the show notes. Sorry, Steven. (laughs) One hour in. Wow, me. You, does your brain just ever like cut out halfway through a sentence? You're like, I've accomplished what I need to say here. We're done. <laughs> All the time. Every day of my life. Evidently. Thanks. Thanks for your support. So you launched that. Uh, it's up now. You have one episode up. So yeah, far? we have one episode up and we're going to do it every other week because um, I'm, I'm insane, but I'm not insane. you need insane. to have a life. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it uh, because I needed an outlet to talk about how much I love uh, the show Clarence. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, and Nicole, what are you up to this week? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm working on, uh, I'm going to do a lot of coding this week. So we're working on follow the white, yeah, follow the white rabbit. So I'm going to be doing a lot of engineering uh, and uh, looking looking forward to it. Doing a couple client visits as well. But yeah, should be good. And if people wanted to sign up for the beta or on our email list. Ooh. Uh, you can go uh, to uh, to bitly dot com uh, forward slash fwr uh, for follow white rabbit and then the word beta and uh, you can you know uh, drop us your email you can apply for the beta and you can get some emails and follow our progress as we make this cool cool game. Awesome, thank you. I'll put I'll put that link in the show notes as well for you listeners. And this week oh, we're hiring social media interns. Uh, (laughs) this week we are doing, I'm probably just going to be writing a lot. Uh, we've still got so much holiday stuff going up. I had my Amazon Fire TV review go up and I did the video of that as well. Uh, I was looking at the, the state of gaming on the Amazon Fire TV and it was really interesting. I, I really, I really liked it. Um, but it definitely has a lot of limitations just in terms of, the library and I think how the library is presented to you. Uh, that was my one of my biggest complaints with it is that in terms of finding content, it's so easy to find a ton of good TV shows that you want to watch. But when you have this content first gaming library, you're finding a bunch of the cheapest, like crappiest games <laughs> that are like right up in your face. And it, it, it was it was hard to parse at times. Um, but the Fire TV is awesome. I loved it. So uh, that's what I did. And you should rate this show on iTunes before you stop listening to it or after you stop listening to it or just, at your convenience. Just do, yeah. it. Just, just do it. it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. You guys should do it. Just do it. Just, just rate it right now like, while you're listening. Like, just open up <laughs> when, iTunes. Just be like, rate, review. When every person on this earth has rated the show, then I will stop asking you to rate it. Okay, guys? So get on this. Um, and uh, Nicole, where can we find you online? Uh, so you can find me online at, uh, well, Twitter, the best place probably. Uh, so at, and then my name, N-I-C-O-L-E-L-A-Z-Z-A-R-O. All right. And Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on, uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams and the other things. And, uh, oh, uh, be sure to watch, um, the Mashable Snapchat Discover channel (laughs) because I'm now appearing bi-weekly or what it's more than bi-weekly so i guess it's it's uh, a couple times a week doing these little fun videos about uh, christina in 30 seconds um where i rant about things and that's fun oh that sounds awesome that's that the first fun. thing i'm gonna do after we hang up is i'm gonna go me watch too. your taylor swift rant. <laughs> watch oh. me get very excited about taylor swift clothing because i don't get enough of that every week i was gonna say obviously. you don't obviously <laughs> they didn't even tell me could... that that was the subject i was going to be talking about they surprised oh me and then I just I just riffed for a minute, and we cut it down to thirty seconds, and I just riffed about my love of Taylor Swift for thirty seconds. That's it was great, incredible. I wish there were a behind the scenes video, the the, uns- the director's <laughs> cut of Christina's rant about Taylor Swift. 
<laughs> Send it to Taylor. Uh, no, I, me... then I will get a restraining order, and that will be terrible. No. <laughs> she already retweeted you once. She can't take that back. No, she can't. It's, it's true love. That's true. That's true. It Sorry, happened. Grant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he knows where he stands. Yeah. Is she like your, your marriage exception? Oh, completely. Okay, yeah. I know a lot of people who have that. Like, if this celebrity comes around, I'm sorry. You just gotta give me this one. <laughs> Fortunately, I am not bound by... I mean, Clooney's on that marriage. list, too, even though he's, like, old Fair. and married to a hot person now. Like, he's still on that list. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Don't, you don't say no. No. To Clooney. No, you don't. I mean, Amal didn't, and she had her pick. <laughs> Bless her heart, that lucky woman. Seriously, uh, and that lucky man. Both of them are just lucky. We're just them, we're, we're, we're blessed to be in a world where they're married to one another. A power, such a power couple. The ideal, mm-hmm. honestly, that's always been my ideal. Be the couple like where where you walk into the room and everyone's like, oh dang. Except you know, I'm not a mall, and no one in the world is George Clooney except George Clooney. So I've given up on that dream. I'm just gonna be me. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. And at pixelkin.org. Can't find me on Snapchat. Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't do beautiful rants about the things that I love. Uh, and that You is, should. I know I should. It would be awful and a nightmare world. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully, with Brianna. And thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us. Thank you, Nicole. Oh, thank you. So- you are amazing. You- oh, you guys are amazing, too. I had so much fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. This episode is... Terminated. Terminated. <laughs>